0: In Contention podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Ruben Wrestler, and I am here with Matt Cranstuber. How's
1: it going, my <laughs> <please>?
0: <laughs> And Joey Pasco.
2: Hello. Nah, <laughs>
1: come
0: on <laughs> hey there you go hey, you, you didn't guys. want to you didn't want to join in the circle of life uh song there oh is that what we were doing okay <laughs> i mean i was doing the tarzan and i think then matt went with the circle of life from lion king
2: yeah i like it i like it i just uh, i went with i went a little further back with uh with goonies reference sure you know, hey you guys
0: right so. <laughs> well, we hope you got your your movie reference uh of random screams in for <laughs> the audience for who are fans of that. Uh, so I'll start things off and remind everyone out there that In Contention is the official podcast of the StarCityGames.com Open Series. And this weekend, the Open Series rolls into Minneapolis, Minnesota with $10,000 prize pools in both the Standard and Legacy Opens. And also, the first SCG Classic Series is in Knoxville, Tennessee. If you can't be there, be sure to tune into SCG Live and catch Jacob Van Loonen, Brad Nelson, and Ruben Bressler – that'd be me – bringing you all the, a- the action. The Twitter hashtag for this event is SCGMINN, and the Twitter hashtag for the classic series is SCG. Uh, K-N-O-X, so that you guys can join in on the discussion. If you can't make it up, be sure to check out an invitational qualifier tournament near you. Go to the StarCityGames.com Open Series page for, page for a complete listing at StarCityGames.com slash open underscore series.
1: Nice. Sounds good. Well, got some good stuff to talk about today. Uh, at the top of our list, we have SCG Denver. So we'll be going over some of the deck lists from the Legacy and Standard Portions, uh, then we have sub-hashtag unwinnable match, which is uh, something that was very funny that happened on the uh, Legacy portion on Sunday. Mm. Then we're going to go over a little bit on what we saw at GP Boston this past weekend, uh, of course, M13 Limited. And then we're going to talk about the Players' Championship, which is going on right now, if you're listening to this on Wednesday, uh, which is, which will be going through Friday. And then we're going to talk a little bit about some Return to Ravnica spoilers and some other various hodgepodge items. So, uh, Joey... You yeah. went to you went to Denver. Did uh, was there any snow? Where we were we right or wrong about the season? Uh, the,
2: I did the- I did actually see a snow covered forest in play in oh, on Sunday. Oh, okay. <laughs> that was <is> the closest <laughs> the closest we got to snow in Denver, uh, to my knowledge. You know, I I didn't actually leave the convention center except to like go across the street to uh, Qdoba and uh, and Uno's uh, Pizza. So. Um, it, it was awesome. It was an awesome weekend. I think, as I said multiple times on the coverage, I was very impressed with the players in Denver and their uh, willingness to to innovate, I guess, or to just not play. Mm. Uh, I mean, I don't know if it was the normal. If, yeah, exactly. They like, they were not all playing the same, you know, handful or you know, same ten decks that we're used to seeing all the time. There were uh, a number of cool decks, uh, even those that may not have made the, the top eight. Uh, Austin Yost played Grixis Control. That was, to me, the most exciting deck. We got to see Nico Bolas ultimated on camera. Uh, you know, that's that's just exciting, and that's entertainment to me. So yeah, uh, I don't know if it was a combination of Denver players showing up with cool decks. Uh, I, I mean, I, I imagine it was a combination of Denver players showing up with cool decks, doing at least well enough to uh, after the first couple rounds to continue to be featured, and Glenn Jones being able to find those cool decks in the room. We had mm-hmm. um, the black market trading post deck that his yeah. has, uh, has stolen the hearts of of everyone. It seems uh, did make the quarterfinals. Uh, unfortunately, we I think we we decided to go with a mono green infect deck to cover in the quarterfinals figuring that match would finish first and then we could go Ah. to the black market deck but the infect match actually ran longer than the black market match Mm. and uh but we saw black market we saw black market on camera a number of times so for those of you guys who are interested in that you can uh you can check that out that out in the archives uh when they go up so
1: what about the blue white shape and new deck that uh (laughs) that thing was
2: crazy it was it was great uh, because the guy like when we saw him on camera it was just one match. Uh, he starts off and you know it looks like he's just playing Delver or potentially you know Delverless yeah, blue Delver white mid-range. blue white mid range right like he he looks like he's playing that and then uh, all of a sudden you know because he's got like Blade Splicer you see the Sea Chrome Coast you see the kind of the Ponders the kind of usual stuff and then sure. suddenly uh, he's like tap four and you're like okay what is this Angel. Hero of Bladehold, what's you know what's, what's <laughs> coming? And he's like shape anew, and there it is. Looks like we got ourselves a reader. As a
0: <laughs> it looks like we've got a reader. Yeah, yeah so that was uh, a sick line.
2: Yeah, that's... Uh, Evan was tweeting that earlier last week, so I had to yeah. uh, had to use that on the coverage, and then and then of course just now. But uh, yeah, it's shape anew, and it's uh, then it's suddenly there's ch- blightsteel colossus on the, on the table.
0: Yeah, other than the one blightsteel colossus. And the one Master's Call, just to have more Artifact creatures, in addition to the four shapenews. it's just a blue-white mid-range deck. So, you know, it's like a, it's like a four, you know, it's, it's 56 cards of blue-white mid-range that just decided to max out on Ink Moth Nexuses. Right. So, I mean, this deck is neat.
2: It really yeah. is, yeah. I mean, it, it can certainly win without using its combo at all because it's got a lot of the the major players. It's
0: just got the four Blade Splicers, three Restoration Angels to just get you anyway.
2: Right. So uh, uh, that was a really exciting deck. I don't know where he ended up finishing. I know when they did the deck tech, he had not lost a single game. Wow. Uh, and this was, I believe... Uh, four or five rounds in. so He
1: finished in 16th place, so okay. a respectable finish for what is basically a rogue deck. So yep, definitely. very, very cool. So,
0: also, what- I wanted to quickly shout out one of my friends from uh, Athens, Ohio, Phil DiOrsi, who got ninth. And no one has quite as many ninth place finishes as uh, Joe
1: Bernal, but Phil DiOrsi is close. <laughs> uh, wow so he went all the way out to denver to, to play so this he lives or? in denver now he's ah, a uh, okay. he's a professor at the university of colorado
0: um and he his claim to fame is that he finished second in one ptq season five times wow when like the woolly thoktar zoo deck was the thing he was playing that and he, he finished i think it was five times it might have been four i know it was at least four um yeah so that was uh that's quite the achievement for him. But, uh, yeah, anyway, good finish from him.
2: Yeah, Green-White-Agro takes down the whole thing, by the way, which I think was, is kind of right. notable. Uh, half of the top eight was Delver. Half of the finals was Delver, and Green-White-Agro took it down.
1: Yeah. Uh, so. That's right, boys. We only got, what, another 60 days, and that will be a thing of the past, hopefully. What do you think?
2: Green-White-Agro I mean, or
1: Delver? Delver. Oh, well, that's bad news days. for you, sir. What?
0: Let's go into the spoiler discussion real quick, (laughs) Uh, and we'll start out with
2: a card called Is It Charm? It is, or is it, or maybe it's Maybelline. Is it, is it Charm? Maybe, (laughs) maybe she's born with it. (laughs) So Is It Charm
0: is red, blue, instant, that lets you spell pierce, faithless looting, or deal
2: damage to a creature. Right, just to creatures. Yeah. Uh, so, that
0: is that is bonkers. That's bonkers. Okay. It, it so blue-red Delver deck, I imagine, will exist based solely on the existence of those two cards.
1: Now, but it's a different it's a different deck, right? It's more like the blue-red burn Delver decks that don't really play the mana leaks. Because I mean, absolutely, c- you know, we're missing out. I- obviously, like having Glacial Fortress um, in the format still is a good thing, but Seacrum Coast that that card's gone so we're we're kind of like at the mercy of what uh shocklands we think are going to be in the format in the falls so we'd have to look
2: at um well uh, i mean say- azorius is one of the guilds coming yeah. in the
1: fall,
0: oh, so right. well, we're going to have a blue white plane so then we're going to have steam vents and we still have sulfur falls right wow. Yeah. so I mean, it's Blue Red, the- just as much mana fixing as blue-white does, but now blue-red is going to have the only Mana Leak effect in the format. Just a two-mana counter-target spell unless they pay some amounts of mana. It's not going to counter Thrag Tusks, but then again, your opponent has Cavern Soul, so you weren't countering Thrag Tusk anyway. Yeah. All
1: right. So, so well, my first argument was going to be Mana Leak's gone. So, obviously, the, the charm sort of does a little bit of what Mana Leak does. Um, but really, the the biggest hit to the deck is going to be losing Ponder, and then to a lesser extent, Jotaxian Probe. In a lot of yeah. these builds, especially Toweran builds, um, actually the Toweran I, I don't even know can be a deck uh, in its current form without yeah. access to all of the Brexian mana spells.
2: Totally agree. Yeah, I, I wor I don't worry necessarily, but I just I don't. I, it's all dependent on what we get in Ravnica, but. Assuming we don't have free spells, which is, I think, a, a reasonable assumption. Yeah, a reasonable I don't think.
0: Assumption. I think that Star City, not Star City, the Wizard has um, figured out that free spells are just never fair. Yeah, so. Not uh, never. A million years.
2: Finance tip, you know, off the cuff here. Dump your Talrands. I think. <laughs> like, yeah. I
0: don't think well, they're, they're going to. Also, in a pre-con because all the legendary creatures are in precon, so the, the market's here is going to be super flooded with them.
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, they're they're not like a, an incredibly expensive card already. But what I'm saying is, I I honestly don't think that they're going to they're going to keep that. Now I, I'm no finance guy, so just take that with
0: right. Take with, that up with Chaz Andres and Ben Blywals.
2: Yeah. So, uh, (laughs) So, uh, so speaking of, well, real quick, uh, speaking of um,
1: financial things and uh, in this standard top eight here, um, I've been seeing a lot of trading posts online. And and I think I even talked a little bit about how I just love getting paired up against these turtle decks. Brad Mm -hmm. Nelson obviously won't shut up about the card. Uh, This is the first time that we've actually seen a trading post deck in the top eight. Of a, of a tournament since M13's been legal. Is that a cor- correct statement?
0: I'm uh, um, not sure that's a correct statement. It certainly is the most, uh, the deck that had the most play. Like It's gotten the most attention. Um, I, I think it may be the first yeah. time a Trading Post deck has, but I, I can't specifically remember.
2: Yeah, same. I, I, it does seem like... it's The thing
0: about game. Trading Post is that it's like a very difficult card to to gauge, And, like, building the correct trading post deck is just almost impossible. Because there's just so much you can do. It's like trying to build... You remember how long it took for Staff of Domination decks to happen?
1: Yeah, I think that's a good comparison.
0: People were just like, this card's extremely powerful, we just need to figure out how to do it. And then the card did nothing for six to eight months, and then the Staff of Domination deck came about. Now, of course, it only was good for, like, two weeks, but... It took people a while to figure out how to make Staff of Domination work. And well, it's very similar. It's it's an artifact that has infinite abilities. It's like a Planeswalker, basically, that you can't attack.
1: Why well, just, like, look at these cards, though? Uh, it, specifically, let's talk in the context of this black deck that Matthew Pitzer played, the think he got eighth place. Um, I, I mean, I, I I get the whole Icker Wellspring, Microsent Wellspring, and, like, the interactions with Trading posts, But, like, really, the big cards in this deck are two Karn, three Liliana, two Barter and Blood, two Blacks and Xena, four Mutilate. Like, those are really the cards that are doing the work in the deck, not the trading posts. Like, the trading posts seem very much like, well, in most cases, you could just run a Signing Blood or, you know, some other utility They're spell. secondary,
0: but they certainly give you the long game.
1: Yeah, I just, I don't, I still don't get behind. Like, I've watched a lot of Brad's streams. I've watched a lot of the 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 stuff online. I've read some articles. I I can't lose to that deck online. I don't. Maybe it's the t- kinds of decks that I play, um, but I like. I see my uh, Wellsprings hit the board, and I'm like, all right, well, thanks for the you know the pack. Uh, but I don't know. Well, could do you, you guys have a play? different? Well, I've been playing mostly um, bigger decks. Like I've been playing the red, white, blue mid range deck. I think is still very good with nice. uh, blades.
0: You're playing the, the you're you're playing decks that attack on a completely different angle than what the trading post deck is trying to attack. Like the trading post deck is good against the dirtly Naya mid range, and it's okay against Delver. It's not miserable, but it's not certainly not its favorable matchup. And it's extremely good against ramp. Um, well, like trading post decks are, have a very tough time losing to ramp decks. Um, and so because a lot of those decks are the, those three decks are three of the four most popular decks, not counting zombies, uh, then, then it's, you know, it's got a good position online. Plus it's also just fun. So everyone online is playing it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was going to be my financial tip is that, um, I've, when I was at Gen Con, I saw a lot of dealers trying to buy trading posts of what like the going market rate was uh which was like one to two dollars on the buy side and and pretty much every person was universally saying no um i could see that card going up to like five to eight dollars um even like four or five dollars on the dealer buy side so if you're if you find trading posts on the cheap um i think it's a good one to pick up even though we're going to be rotating out some of these artifacts i think it's you'll still be able to find a way to use it we have a whole block of stuff to, to uh to see, you know, what kinds of things we get. If we get a good artifact creature or some, some card that interacts positively with it, it's, it'll only go up from there. But uh, I guess losing Solemn and worm Coil is pretty bad, though.
0: Yeah. Most of the worm coil and the Wellsprings are going to yeah. be real awkward. Also, uh, Tumble Magnet makes that deck tick.
2: Hmm. Yeah, Interesting. I, I did also just want to point, mention this, at least. Uh, we saw, for whatever reason, I don't know how this happened, that all the, the world's... Uh, the 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 population of mimic vats in the world all apparently ended up in Denver because <laughs> yeah. several players playing mimic vat, including Matthew Pitzer's uh, trading post deck, main decking one mimic vat. We had dueling mimic vats on camera. Now that's kind of crazy, not. but we had it m- multiple times. <laughs> like did you did you to, like,
1: just like print out like a moto uh, trigger uh, picture and be like, okay guys, here's your triggered abilities. Oh my like, gosh, it was
2: it was put, actually put on the awful. Stack. <laughs> <laughs> it was it like doing sphinxes, right? The consecrated sphinx triggers, you know. At least with sphinxes it's just like well, I guess we each are drawing any number of cards we want as long as it's an even number, right? At least <laughs> at least you figure that out, right? But with the Mimic Vats, Matthew Pitzer, actually I should point this out, he knew this interaction from playing Moto, he said, uh something that neither Adrian nor I noticed, I guess from not playing Mimic Vat on Moto. Uh but with with both Vats, if you are the uh I believe if you are the non-active player, That's right. you can set it up so that you – basically, if a bunch of creatures are dying, you can basically say, okay, I'm going to take all of these. So all your triggers are set up, and now what happens is you get the, the whatever the first creature yeah, was. You get yeah. the second creature. You get the third creature. You get whatever the last creature ends up on your mimic vat, Then your opponent's triggers now are all targeting objects that are no longer in existence because they – they were on your mimic bat at right, some right, point, So right. your your opponent doesn't get any of those. So, so mimic interaction.
1: Mimic bat's a f- a fun one. Um, of course, it's in most cubes, and I, I have it in my cube. And and Sam would always yell at me because I would just randomly pick up like a, a Japanese copy of a particular card. Which like you know, if it's a Wrath of God, yeah, everybody knows what Wrath does. But, like, he'd be like, why do you have a Japanese Mimic Bat? Or why do you have a why do you have a Japanese Isochron <laughs> Scepter? Or, you know. Oh, jeez. Yeah, just so, so that your
0: opponents don't know what they do?
1: <laughs> yeah, That's so I do like... Japanese Ice Cauldrons? Or, like, even, like, guys like Dothy Slayer. You're like, is this the one that has protection from white? Or does he attack each <laughs> turn?
2: That would, <laughs> that would be like if Wizards was like, hey, you know, we're just going to print a textless promo crypto command. I mean... Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> if they ever did that. Right. For some reason. What a dumb idea. (laughs) (laughs) So any other decks in this top eight stand out to you guys as
1: being something that you would want to grind at an upcoming event or is it pretty... uh... Eh.
0: I mean, Mono Green Effect is sick. I like the list from the World Magic Cup that, uh, what was it, Gerger?
2: Yeah, I think so. Is this the Croatian... Yeah, the the Croatian
0: nation had two guys go undefeated with. That list is sick. That list has a main deck. Um, what's it called, Viridian Corruptor? I'm not sure if this list does. Uh, it doesn't. It,
2: like it. it doesn't have it main. I think it has one in on the board. But um, I like having the
0: one main deck, Viridian Corruptor, with the two Green Sun Zeniths. It gives you more more play main deck, and I like
2: that a lot. Um, as far as top eight, I agree. Like the, the the infect deck is infect deck is neat, but it's uh, not my style. But I really, as I mentioned, loved. The uh, the Grixis control deck that Austin Yost played, and I, I talked to him a bit about it. He said it was you know so much fun. He went five zero in matches where he was able to play Bolus, and lost the matches where he wasn't. So I mm. guess if anything's got to... T- if you're playing against Grixis, if you can stop them from b- playing Bolus, you're in uh, you're in good shape. But uh, but I, that's the deck that I I. I think I do actually want to play with in standard. I'm not sure about the desperate ravings. I don't have the, uh, the cojones to, uh, to go with desperate <laughs> ravings over think twice, but uh, I, I might try it just, just to see.
1: I, sure. I think I like this green white aggro list a lot. Uh, the one that, that top that, that uh, took first place. Yeah. Michael Lee. I, I just don't, I don't think this is getting enough, uh, enough good feedback here. I mean, it's got four rancor and then, a bunch of evasive guys, and then guys like Hero Bladehold, um, Wolf, Your Civil Heart, Rag Tusk, like, and and not to mention it also has access to up to four swords uh, between main deck and sideboard. Um, I just think this this list is really really powerful, and I I feel like this would this would do well. But uh, he
2: crushed Delver in the finals. Now. Game one, he the Delver deck Mulligan to four, so I guess you can not count that. But even game two, like it was the whole game, the Delver deck just was on its back foot and could not get into the game. Yeah, so something. So
1: let's let's uh, switch gears a little bit. Talk quickly about the Legacy portion of uh, Denver this past weekend, and I. I I did not get to tune in much uh, for standard on Saturday because we went to a concert called Distant Worlds.
2: Oh, this sounded so good! I saw you tweeting and posting Facebook.
1: Facebook it posting was Facebook. it was amazing. It, it's um, New, Nubo Umatsu was there, and he was playing all of the best Final Fantasy music. And
2: yeah, who, it was like who is that for those who don't know?
1: Uh, Nubo Umatsu wrote all the Final Fantasy music. Yeah. So, wow. Yeah, and like having him there uh, apparently is like a big deal because he doesn't actually go to a lot of the shows, and so he played a song which uh, again is something that he doesn't typically do unless he's with his group. But the really cool thing was that the very last song they played the theme from Final Fantasy VII called One Wing Angel, and there were like maybe five to eight thousand people in this auditorium, and everybody sang the part because they didn't have a chorus. And uh, so, if you know what that song is, it's it's really really cool, and it was
2: it was a cool show. But I got chills just thinking about it. I can't imagine <laughs> what it was like to be there.
1: That's oh, awesome. dude, I was I I lost it. I, let's just say it was, uh, it was a very emotional concert. Yeah, it was it was cool. A little tear in your eye or what? It Was you know I've been playing these games for you know twenty years,
2: right. and
1: seeing seeing the songs played out live in an orchestra setting was just really cool. So anyway, um, the. So I did not get to tune in on Saturday, but I did tune in on Sunday just in time to see the first round go up, which I I know that uh, the coverage guys do their best to sort of put the best decks that they can on coverage. And I think there was a slight oversight this time around, and I think they admitted to it. Hilarious. The the first round uh, had a burn player. Hey, great deck. And then a player playing white. Oh, okay, sure. White deck. No big deal. Let's put them on camera. Well, it turned out that the white the white deck was a martyr proc deck in like Nice. And oh man, that's awesome. Let's just say that if I had to put odds on <laughs> that. Burn <red> against deck, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I don't even think you could probably grind a thousand games and I well, think the game the, ones. He could have had like sulfur vortex in the board. He had two vortexes, like as his only out. But right. even it, even if the even if the Martyr deck's just like, okay, turn two, Martyr, and then you play Sulfuric Vortex and I sack it in response and gain 18 life, like, that's probably enough for me to, to stabilize and beat you.
2: Yeah, it, it was actually just the worst, but it was hilarious at the same time as I it, it was really... I, I don't think, uh, like... This was round three of Legacy, which is the first round we feature on camera. And so, Glenn, I don't think, I don't know which player he was choosing to feature. I don't know if he was like, oh, look, a martyr proc deck. Let's put that on. Or he was right. like, hey, look, Austin <laughs> Yost, who, uh, you know, we've, we featured him yesterday on camera. You know, he's won past open series. Uh, let's put him on camera. It was one or the other. It was certainly not both. If he realized, because I think he knew Austin was playing Burn, Austin at least yeah. told, told us that he was going to be playing Burn, uh, Adrian and I. So uh anyway yeah he he didn 't mean for that matchup to end up on camera and i 'm pretty sure that was the only martyr proc deck in the room, <laughs> so uh the chances of of burn facing down martyr proc on camera were kind of it, it was just it was funny, and Austin obviously knew how funny it was he was laughing during the entire match, like what are you going to do you just it's just it 's a <laughs> brick wall literally the brick wall for your deck
1: yeah sure so so i I think the coolest deck. Of the entire tournament is the 14th place mud deck. Speaking of staff of domination,
2: mm-hmm.
1: that is basically a worker deck with lightning greaves and staff of domination, along with four Vesuva, four glimmer posts, four cloud posts. Yeah, mud deck. And, and also City post,
2: of
0: there's a trading post. It's thirteen posts.
1: Wow, nice. So, and this deck, this deck is so awesome looking. It has Wasteland, Crucible, uh, Mox Diamond, also Voltaic Key, Battlesphere. I mean, three Sundering Titan main deck. Like, this is, this, this makes the, it is, it is completely mono brown. Yeah. It makes, it makes the welder deck, like the team, uh, what do you call it, Super Friends or whatever. I mean, it makes it look tame. This deck is awesome.
2: Yeah. And this
0: deck is missing, um, uh, Candelabras. In my opinion,
1: I think yeah, I think a candelabra would would be nice in this deck.
2: Yeah, this one was not featured on camera. I honestly didn't even hear. It. I mean, I heard somebody mentioning there was a mud deck in the room, but that's not necessarily a surprise. I didn't realize that it was so close to uh, to top eight. You know, it, coming in 14th, I'm kind of surprised we didn't see it. I, I imagine that it, there's the possibility of a draw somewhere later in the later in the day when maybe we would have featured it that you know, there was a an intentional draw there or something. I I, I don't know. I I imagine this is the kind of deck that we would have wanted to feature because it does look pretty sick.
0: Now, for those of you who are unfamiliar with, um, how this works, the, there's an infinite metal worker combo, uh, that can create infinite mana with staff of domination. If you have three artifacts in your hand, the metal worker will make six mana. Then you can use your staff to use four of that mana to untap the metal worker. And use one mana to untap the staff, meaning you've netted one mana. So you can basically add infinite mana to your mana pool, or an arbitrarily large number. And then you can use that mana to draw your deck with staff domination. Then play a uh, Lightning Greaves. And then play your Blightsteel Colossus, Kozilek, whatever, what have you. Sundering Titan. uh, And uh, kill your opponent. So... You know, the, the, it's sort of been around for a little while, this idea. It's just that nobody's really gone whole hog on this post plan.
2: Yeah, There again, with, uh, you know, as I said about standards, Denver was pretty uh, pretty packed with players willing to innovate, and I think the, the, the new deck on the block that has kind of gotten a lot of chatter is the show-and-tell omniscience deck, uh, mm-hmm. which... Is called No Intel. I don't know why it's listed here as Omnitel. You know, I just refuse to acknowledge that name. But uh, we mm-hmm. saw it on camera a couple of times. There's there's actually two different versions. There's uh, the version that plays like petals of insight, uh, petals of insight, and kind of storms storms yeah. out through uh, through omniscience. And then there's the version which I think it's it's I guess it's a more it feels like a more consistent, maybe more stable version uh and uh it plays academy rector and that is the version yeah. that top eight is michael savine uh actually made top eight in denver and he plays the academy rector version academy rector another card lending itself to the name no intel uh just you know pointing that out um <laughs> <laughs> and uh ac- the way academy rector works for those of you who don't know is uh it's a one two for four when it dies You may exile it, and if you do, you can search your library for an enchantment and put it into play. So there is a small window to interact with it. If it dies, uh, you can, for instance, surgically extract it, and that will keep it from finding an enchantment. And that seemed like the the, – that was the way that Joe Lawson was able to take that match and uh, make it to the finals where he faced Goblin Charbelcher. (laughs) <laughs> so Goblin Charbelcher, Branson Mitchell takes it all the way to the finals. We saw him on camera. We saw him play six games on camera. The first four he won within minutes. Like I think the first match was literally three minutes of magic being played. <laughs> uh, and the second match was pretty quick too. I think the – but against Joe Lawson, Joe was able to set it up with cards like Meddling Mage uh, on on show and tell – and surgical, surgical Extraction on Academy Rector, uh, he was able to set it up with his Blue-White Miracle deck uh, to actually take down the tournament. And uh, obviously the, the Blue-White Miracle deck, this is the deck I've been playing. Uh, this is the deck that Reed Duke, uh, or similar to the deck, Reed Duke uh, top aided with in DC. Um, Reed Duke is, is uh, a land tax version where this is not. But mostly it's the same thing. You've got Counterbalance top and then you've got Miracles. And then you just play blue-white control. And <coughs> I, I love it. Um, I, I think it's awesome that Joe won. He actually he lost in the finals of SCG Denver last year versus Tom Ma, who was playing Hivemind. Um, and Joe was playing Cephalid Breakfast in that tournament. And uh, so I'm glad he actually he made the finals again and this time took it down. And uh, I, the only thing that I don't like is that this deck is gonna have a target on its back and you know this is the mm-hmm. deck i'm playing you know it's like it's <laughs> like i'm like i liked them before they were cool kind of thing you know <laughs> not, yeah, not right, really right. but it, when everybody knows it's a good deck it suddenly becomes less of a good deck because you have that target on your back but mm-hmm. uh I,
1: yeah i just want to comment on the um, the OmniTel. sorry the no intel deck Thank you, uh Kenny. in the top eight no problem <laughs> I, I will try to i will try to uh i'll try to Stick that Adopt in. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is very reminiscent of a deck that was really really good back in um vintage which like this looks faster than that deck. Academy Rector being able to come down like on turn 2 off of Lotus Petal or the um or a uh, uh show, show and Tell and then therapying in a way, you pretty much win the game on the spot if the if the rector goes to the bin, because yeah. you have you have get, you get like emercoal which is going to come down regardless, and hopefully you have that in your hand. And then just the other cards you have like living wish, which will in turn go get your fourth emercoal out of the board. So there's just so many must counter cards, and the fact that therapy itself is disruption. So sacrificing the rector to get the enchantment is also going to stop your opponent from getting the card they need. And I'm actually really glad to see Academy Rector finally getting some time in the sun. You know, the last time I think I saw Academy Rector was the old Rex Surdex. I mean, it, it yeah. really has – or even um, uh, there was a deck called Carpe Noctum, which was like an old uh, – it used the uh, Nantuko Husk creatures and Pattern of Rebirth and Academy Rector as sort of a poor man's um, – survival engine and use that to, to combo your opponent out with like a symbiotic beast. It was very kind of clunky, but, um, and then we saw it, of course, in the pattern of rebirth decks as like a one of to, to go fetch up. But, uh, I mean, this seems like a really good application of rector. I think this deck looks like it's pretty, pretty well tuned. I like the sideboard, the way that, um, the way that living wish interacts with everything in the board, uh, I do not like that there is no way. Um, as they ha- only has tropical island as the one way to cast living wish. Um, I think like a bayou might might be kind of nice, but I guess it doesn't really have like as all these lands like as cavern and bosidou and frexian tower as living wish targets. And I feel like that if you're gonna be getting those cards, like you know, ca- uh, tower will help you sacrifice a rector to, to get your omniscience. Besigiu will help you force through a show and tell. I think the, if these spills are important enough, I think that it should have um, the buy you. But this is the list that if I was going to be playing a uh, uh, legacy deck online or whatever, I, I would be building this up. I think. Um, but yeah, that's just yeah. Uh, that's just my two cents. This deck's really really cool.
2: Yeah, I love I love the looks of the deck. We did though. You have to be careful, and we did see this happen where the uh, the player. The omniscience player. Actually, I think it may have been Michael. Uh, I, I, there may have been another player in the room playing the Academy Rector version. That's why I'm not totally sure. But either way, he has uh, he has actually this was in the top eight. Now that I'm thinking about it, yes, yeah, so it was in it was against Eric Carson, who was playing Blue Red Delver, and he has he does all this work to get the two omniscience into play, but has nothing to cast. Like he doesn't have anything that's. I mean, you know, he's getting beat down by a three-two flyer, uh, and just doesn't have any spells. To do anything with, you know, he he has the omniscience there, and no, he doesn't. He had used a living wish already to get a Phyrexian tower, which I think was how he sacrificed, how, how he, yeah, he had the academy rector in play, had to search for a Phyrexian tower so that he could sacrifice the rector to get the omniscience into play. But then had nothing else, you know. So it, you mm-hmm. have to be careful. You can end up in a situation where all your spells are free, but they don't actually interact with with your opponent or even go over the top. You, if you can't find an Emrakul or a Gristle brand uh, or a Living Wish, then you are kind of sitting there, you know, watching your opponent just kill you. So mm-hmm. just just something to think about. Uh, even uh, Adrian and I were kind of brainstorming a little bit on the coverage if there was a way to put just a one of enchantment. In there that if – so that if you had a situation where you were – you had the omniscience in play and didn't have Emrakul, didn't have Ran, and didn't have Living Wish, that Academy Rector would be another out because it could find like a certain enchantment that could either – Like Form of the Dragon
1: or something. Yeah, yeah. some
2: other win condition, some other – Well, way he had a
1: win. pernicious
2: deed
0: in
1: his sideboard to just slow the
2: game. Yeah, he, I guess it wasn't. This, this was game two, I'm pretty sure. The so. old –
1: the old version of this deck back in extended ran pernicious deed and you would run confiscate. So maybe Ooh. there's a, maybe there's something like, I don't know. There's maybe there's a better version of confiscate or even something like, uh, decree of silence or, or what's the, what's the That's blue the counter thing. three spells. <laughs> yeah. Just something like, uh, sack my rector, get decree of silence, you know, have a nice life. That's absurd. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. That could be interesting, but, uh,
2: so, yeah, uh, pretty exciting weekend overall. Like I, Denver was very impressive, so kudos to you guys that showed up with cool decks. Um.
0: Speaking of the future of cool decks, I wanted to uh, talk about the future of the Izzet and the Golgari, seeing as we have some spoilers from the yeah. it Golgari dual decks. Um, I'm going to quickly tell you what all the cards are for the two guilds that we have access to, and then we can discuss anything you want to discuss about them. So we have Goblin Electromancer which is a blue-red, 2-2, Goblin Wizard. Instants and sorcery spells you cast cost one less to cast. Ooh, and that's a common.
2: Spicy.
1: Yeah. That's
0: a common? Uh, that's a common.
2: What?
1: Yeah. That's so weird at common. I know. Okay, go ahead, go ahead. Then we have
0: a Charm, which we discussed already. Uh, that is an instant, mind you. Then we have Street Spasm, which is X and a red, instant, Uncommon. Street Spasm deals X damage to target creature without flying you don't control.
2: So that sounds like a weird Targeted wording. Earthquake, right? It's yes.
0: Like- well, target creature you don't control, but it has overload of XX red red. You may cast this spell for its overload cost. If you do, change its text by replacing all instances of target with each. So if you pay the overload cost, it instead reads: Street Spasm deals X damage to each creature without flying you don't
2: control. So Pyroclasm costs six.
0: Uh, yes. Got it.
2: Okay. Sounds good.
0: <laughs> uh, not not even Pyroclasm because it's without flying. Right on. You can't get rid of their delvers.
2: Worse, Pyroclasm costs six.
0: Well, you can get rid of their delvers. You can't get rid of their insectile aberrations.
2: Right. Right. Got.
0: And it. then of course Niv at the Firemind, which everyone out there should already know, but this time he does not have the uh, weird flavor text.
2: No, no, no. I,
1: he's in the deck, but I don't think he's spoiled he's not officially for confirmed. this set. Right. I, no, he's in, he's in, is it, versus Golgari? Right. Oh, I see. I see. Yes.
2: Right. But does that, uh, that doesn't confirm. That his does theory. not
0: necessarily mean that it's in um, Return to Ravnica. Right. So then we have, for Golgari, we have Dreg Mangler, Colorless Black Green, 3-3 Haste, Plant Zombie. It's an uncommon... So already you've got Boggart Ramgang, right? Yeah. Scavenge of three colorless black green. So check that guy out. That guy's yeah. sick.
2: Scavenge is something I don't think... Did we really talk about... I'm not sure scavenge? we
0: talked about scavenge that much. Here's a quick overview of scavenge. So for Dregmangler, Mangler it has scavenge three colorless black green, which is pay three colorless black green and exile this from your graveyard. Put a number of plus one plus one counters equal to this card's power onto a target creature. Scavenge only as a sorcery. So it basically has a flashback of its power.
1: We're noticing a little bit of a a trend, quickly before you go to the next card, is that the cards that Scavenge has been on, which has only been two, they've been, I I won't say above the curve, but they've been... Powerful. They've been powerful. Like, not that broken or like in
0: terms of power like they just have big power yeah like gone.
1: three mana three three haste and a four mana five five with no drawback yep. with this ability is respectable i think it's a is good true ability. so now we got a
0: complicated one karazda guild mage is a 2-2 for one black mana and one green mana so no, so new, no new guild, guild mage ma- ma- yeah. but no guild mana as far yeah. as we know
2: not hybrid yeah. mana right exactly
0: so, colorless black-green, target creature gets plus one, plus one, gains Intimidate until end of turn, is the first ability. And pay two colorless black-green and sacrifice a non-token creature. Put X-1-1 green Sapperling creature tokens onto the battlefield, where X is the sacrificed creature's toughness.
1: That's completely and totally bonkers.
0: Yeah. That, that
1: ability is X- nuts.
0: I want to play this guy with uh, Tree of Redemption.
1: <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, does it matter what you play with? Like, it even works with itself. So you could just block with a with 1-1 a dork and then just sacrifice. Oh, no, you sacrifice non token. Okay. Doesn't matter. You could, like, this guy turns all of your dumb idiots into an smaller, army. dumber idiots. Right. So,
2: like, you have, say, a 5-5 five, five for 4 that might have scavenge, and you can put 5 tokens into play by sacrificing it, and then scavenge to make one of those tokens into a 6-6. Six, six. And you've got four one ones, is that, does that yep. right? Seems, seems reasonable. It seems like the the, uh, the Golgari are just they just want to beep down.
0: Yep. Well they're they're much more uh, um sort of using the little people to build up bigger people this time around.
1: Yeah. what, what do you think about um, this is kind of funny that you that that we see Jared Golgari Lichlord, which we talked about on a previous episode, and also Krasda the Gilmage have sacrifice abilities. Uh-huh. Obviously, Savra from the original Ravnica has sacrifice abilities, and as and the, the Golgari um, tribe itself has always done this. Uh-huh. I recently added... Ruben, remember we had conversations around adding cards like Contamination yep. and Pox. I added all that stuff in. In addition nice. to... I've been really pushing Smokestack Black as an uh-huh. archetype. In cube. And I, yeah, in Cube. And I'm finding that... A really good way to make those archetypes work are cards like Gravecrawler, Bloodgast, resembling Skeleton, guys that when they hit the bin, you can bring them back for a cost. And I hope that we see a Golgari based card, not something along the lines of Dredge, but something more like a Bloodgast or even just a functional reprint of something like Bloodgast. Because uh, that's going to play very well with something like that. Um, like, if you look at. G- did, we, uh, did we fully spoil Gerard G- Golgari Lichlord? Uh, I think we did. Uh, I, th- but-
0: I believe we did. Just read but that read is, real quick. That, that is the last uh, of the spoiled cards we have so far. So, Jared Golgari Lichlord, black, black, green, green, legendary creature, zombie elf, a uh, mythic. Starts out as a 2-2, but Jared Golgari Lichlord gets 1-1 plus one, plus one for each creature card in your graveyard. Has the following other abilities: colorless black green. Sacrifice another creature. Each opponent loses life equal to the sacrificed creature's power. And sacrifice a swamp and a forest. Return Jared from your graveyard to your hand.
1: That guy's that guy's really cool. Yeah, I mean. So
0: he he. It's kind of interesting that he sort of has a um, uh, an EDH general feel to him. Oh yeah. Because the first time he costs four, and then you have to sack two lands, so he costs six basically.
1: Right. I just think like, that's kind of neat. And he gets bonkers. Like, being able to sack creatures to dome your opponent yeah. is... I mean, that's a big deal, especially if you're like if you playing dinosaurs. Can you imagine if you were in, like, black, green, red dinosaurs in, in Ravnica and just had this guy out? I mean, he's a, if you get to untap with him, you could potentially just attack, sack, sack, kill your opponent. I mean, you, you can end the game very quickly with this. I, I don't know how this plays into... Um, you know a standard deck because it the cost is so prohibitive but I think if we have the uh, overgrown tomb and and you know some, some amount of fixing or bird of paradise or something, this guy could realistically come down. But I you know
2: how far has Lurgoyf come? I mean
1: <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> really. Really yeah, this is
2: super Lurgoyf right for I, a pretty well, Lurgoyf, much the same
0: Lurgoyf, Lurgoyf wins in a fight against this guy, right? Because Lurgoyf is is X plus one X plus... wait,
2: hold on. Yeah, but this guy's plus one, plus one, so he's... Oh, no, so this guy's bigger. Yeah, never mind. If you... In, learn, well, if it's like an O one one gets plus one, an o, plus one. One,
1: an 0 this guy's a 2-2 two, two with other abilities. Yeah. I only gripe with, with this guy, and I don't normally talk about cards, you know, the way I wish they were. I kind of wish the third ability had synergy with one of the first two abilities. It seems very tacked on, like, sack a swamp and a forest, get this guy back. I wish it was like, sack two guys, get yeah. this back. You know, I think that would be a little more flavorful, but, you know, whatever. But I want to talk a little bit just to kind of get us back to this one of the early cards you talked about, which is Street Spasm. And I feel really bad for this card <laughs> because, of course, if you're talking about red X spells, I don't think you're going to ever be able to to look at them in the same light again without comparing them directly to Bonfire of the Damned. Yeah, sure. Uh, and, and this one, certainly because it has a double X and it has a similar effect to Bonfire of the Dams. I, I I don't see uh I don't see us you wanting to play with this anytime soon. Uh I do want to point out that this card is an uncommon it you know, so it's not a rare, it's not a mythic rare. There's certainly no replacement for bonfire, but this is gonna be a really solid pickup in, you know, if you're playing limited, you know, you're gonna want this in pretty much all your it's it's splashable. Then if you happen to be able to get to double red like that, I think that effect is very good even at six to eight mana. Being able to do two or three—that's that's pretty big. And and if you're playing like like a deck like dinosaurs, that's not unattainable. So you know, of course, uh, I, try not to put your bonfire lens glasses on when you're when you're looking at this. But uh, I think that that's really good. I, I did want to comment. Uh, sorry, real quick, Billy. I did want to comment. that I think that this feels a little bit like kicker to me. It does. Um, yeah. So I know that it's not Kicker, and I don't know that you could probably compare a lot of cards to Kicker, as some people have said, but uh, I I think that the Overload mechanic has a huge potential to be a lot more than just a a different kind of Kicker. I mean, seeing an an alternate card cost actually printed on the card with an alternate uh, effect is really cool. So I think that's what makes this card really neat in that... There's there's some pretty cool design space. So hopefully overload transcends the, the block instead of just the set. But uh, you know, again we don't we don't have a lot of context for the ability. So that, that's yeah. my piece here.
2: Yeah, I think this could Oh, this is clearly at least given the the context of what we assume limited is like uh during return to Ravnica, I think this is pretty sick for limited being removal. Mm-hmm. Or mass removal if you've got that much mana. I just, you know, I didn't even compare it to Bonfire. I just went straight to Pyroclasm, and it was tough to. Uh, <laughs> to, tough to um, well, ma- keep make in mind it that up. it is an instant. Yeah, that's good. So it's an instant so speed. Yeah, but
0: it, so that is one thing that it has over both Bonfire and Pyroclasm, and pretty much everything else of that ilk, except for um, like volcanic fallout. Like obviously, volcanic fallout costs three, and this would cost six to have the same effect and it doesn't deal damage to flyers still, right, but you can keep your mana open um and sometimes
2: and it's it, just one big dude that you need to get rid of, so it's yeah. it's fine, right so i I don't mind it i I just was yeah kind of like it there. it's
0: got it's got heat wave pretty much state like it is heat wave except for it can't deal damage to flyers still, yeah, and sometimes that you can pay infinite mana, you can go ahead and have a you know fire spout.
2: So I know we 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 touched on is it charm very early right mm-hmm. uh, just blue red instant uh and you can choose between basically spell peer shock or uh careful study yep. I'm sorry or is it faithless looting it Oof. doesn't have flashbacks it's so technically it's careful study and the shock doesn't damage players but uh there's there's a little bit there's a lot of people saying they love it myself mm-hmm. included I think you guys seem to like it as well um others are saying maybe Maybe it's not as good as it looks. So uh I don't know. To me I look at this and I'm like, sure, it costs two mana for a spell pierce. Uh or two mana for a shock or two mana for a careful study. All typically one mana cards. Yeah. But uh, you get that one extra mana gives you the versatility, so you can say, Okay, they cast a planeswalker or you know, any non creature spell, I can counter it. Yep. If it's a creature, I can kill it. Or if I if either if of these I need to answers dig for
0: something else, yeah. yeah
2: if either of these aren't going to answer whatever it is I can draw to and in fact maybe draw into the threat that I need to win the game. So yep. I think the card is so solid. I love it. I love the artwork. I love the I love the fact that this means that we're getting an Azorius charm and you know all these the, the charms are coming back. Charms are just such a cool cycle and I love that they're they're bringing uh, bringing that back. So The art yeah,
0: is, is the ridiculous. Charm- the art is ridiculous. Yeah, it's a charm. I just feel is so strong. Like it gets to be played in the deck that, you know, we we had pretty much decided that the red white blue tempo deck in uh, modern was the deck, right? Mm-hmm. And this deck, this card goes directly into that. Like it's just so good in that deck because that deck wanted to have all those effects anyway.
1: Mm-hmm. Didn't Michael Jacob he tweeted this morning? Like he he was saying, I run a faithless looting a magma jet and a spell pierce all singletons in his red white blue deck and he's just sort of like scratching his head like
2: uh did they really just print this card yeah
1: (laughs) it fixes all of his problems
0: for that deck yeah um and so i just think that that card is just incredible plus this also is a, a incredibly powerful option for the modern storm deck um, because he, you get to fill up your graveyard with stuff for your eventual past in flames. You get to take care of troublesome Gaddock Teagues and either sworn canonists, and you get to counter, you know, random pyrostatic pillar f- style things. Like I don't even know what else there would be.
1: Interesting thought. That that's uh, yeah, that that would be pretty pretty good. Yeah, I absolutely I, love it. They've
0: pretty much been running. One echoing truth and one Electrolyze to be able to deal with little guys, right? Like that was the mm. the out, and now you get to run this card instead. I would think instead of Electrolyze, at least probably over the uh, echoing truth as well. Um, and just see this card just seems absolutely great.
2: Yeah. So uh, the the is it versus Golgari spoilers are not the only spoilers that we've got, or they're not the only return to Ravnica. Uh, mm-hmm. Kind of content we got over the weekend. Wizards put up the guild pages um, and where you can you can even take the guild test and find out which guild you are. And I think uh, you're Simic, is that right, Ruben? I am Simic. You're Simic. I was Azorius. Right. You know, I gave you the, the. You could also be Demir, it or right. Simic, you know. <laughs> the
0: second one was uh, Azorius.
2: Yeah, so uh, that, that's kind of cool. Fun little thing. Um, and. In the uh, on each guild page, they have a lot of the artwork. You know, they have a, a handful of pieces of artwork from the set, which is just awesome. One of the pages uh, or one of the pieces of art is on the Is It page, and it appears to be Ral Zarek, which is that planeswalker that I actually don't even know where that came from. It was about a year ago. Do you guys know? Was it like there was artwork for a planeswalker named Ral Zarek? Was it the old duels? Game, I'm not not sure if that. I it don't was. remember this. Uh, basically, last year there was a, a spoiled piece of art, and it was attached to the name Eric for some reason. And those of you listening, I'm sure you all know, and you're like, "It's from this." But anyway, uh, yeah, right. Basically, he, everybody's like, "What is this coming from?" It looks like it could be this guy looks very. Is it um, as far as flavor? And this the artwork we got on this page is a different piece of artwork. It appears to be the same guy, which. Means either he's a legend or a planeswalker, Uh, and I think if he's a planeswalker, that means that maybe that that spoiled Jace, advisor to the Firemind, is probably not real. If Mm. if this guy's a planeswalker, but I just wanted to to mention this is just kind of speculation. I was thinking about it, but um, if there, we know that we're getting a new Jace, and I know we we were looking at the advisor to the firemind and talking about you know his one ability it was like plus 2 put a card from your hand on top of your library uh was was one of the speculated abilities but what if a fixed jace the mind sculptor were to have something like portent instead of brainstorm where it 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 would actually also work very well with miracles because you know we had the jace that had a brainstorm ability which apparently was too strong for standard and is obviously one of the best cards ever printed for magic. Um, you mean
1: portent without the the draw card?
2: No, I mean you draw it during the, during the next turn's upkeep, so actual portent. So you would oh. you would only get to look at the top three, so you can't put something from your hand back. But if you look at the top three and there's a miracle there, you can actually ke- have the miracle happen on your opponent's turn because it's your mm. next upkeep. I, the reason I thought about that is because Joe Lawsett was playing one copy of portent in his miracle deck in Legacy, and uh, I just thought that was – I'm just, you know – Hoping or making something up here, but I thought it was a kind of neat idea, and maybe we, you know, something that would be uh, interesting to see on the card. Um, Just something we can think about. Uh, Maybe it's something to chew on. Yeah. But uh, this weekend, I think, is PAX, uh, and Mm -hmm. typically at PAX, there is a big spoiler party for the fall set, so. You guys should probably keep your eyes on Twitter this weekend for uh for any any spoilers to come out of PAX. And it's, Absolutely. It's possible that Wizards like live streams it. You know, they did that for the uh the San Diego Comic-Con panel. They I, I don't know if that's something they're planning to do, but since they did it for Comic-Con, I, I guess Yeah, it's a that's an interesting
0: thought. I don't know. Uh, I guess yeah, keep your eye
2: on on Twitter. I'm sure as soon as anybody knows, they'll be all over all over it, you know. Of course. So
1: so other uh, big events that are happening here in the next few days of course the players championship is happening in Seattle Washington from Wednesday through Friday and that's going to be huge I've got the competitor list pulled up here and it's I don't think you you would you would be able to see a more stacked assortment of players from all over the world it, it's really cool um, I'll of course put it in the show notes so you can Check it out, but it's sixteen of the best players in the world and they're playing some pretty interesting formats, which we've talked about in the past. Uh each day is gonna be a little bit different. The first day there's gonna be a cube draft and followed by modern. And then the second day there's gonna be M13, followed by some more modern, and then I believe the uh the finals day will, will be modern. And uh and I'm sorry if I if I missed any any spots there, but that that is gonna be an incredible tournament. I'm hopeful I I'm very curious to see how Wizards covers it because I think part of our discussion last week where we were talking about the World Magic Cup and how we thought that it might not be the best forum to have amateur players come in and really we want it to be like more of a spectator event than uh, than a, a time to highlight you know, amateur players. And I think maybe there's an opportunity. I think maybe this is what this is supposed to be doing. Because if you look at the list, 2011 Player of the Year, World Champion, Pro Tour, you know, whatever winner, uh, top pro points for Latin America, top pro points North America, top pro points Europe. These are the best of the best of the best players in the world. And they're all going to be in one place. Uh, The only thing that I don't like about it is 16 players is not not a lot. So I don't know how they're going to cover it. We really haven't seen anything like this since the Invitational. So I kind of look at it more as like a, you know, the Invitational done right. The Invitational, mm. you know, I think you could you still have a possibility. You know, we have people like Player of the Year, Magic Online Champion. I think you still have a possibility to see players like Steve Manetti and Evan Irwin be able to come to something like this and 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 uh, participate. But I think, given the the caliber of player here, I think they would probably just get obliterated. I mean, these guys are these guys are all very well decorated a lot of a couple hall of famers here as well. So, yeah,
2: um, absolutely. I think this, this is really exciting to to see these particular, you know, this caliber of players all competing against one another and it's such a small field. I think the way I look at it is each pro tour highlights an individual player, you know, as the winner, right? The, The winner is it's, it's this player is really good. He won a pro tour, right? And each pro tour, kind of feeds into into this, into the Players' Championship, among other things. but uh, So again, this Players' Championship now is saying, okay, the, each of these individual players, uh, now they're going to compete to see out of them which one is the best this year. right? And I think the World Magic Cup is about representing your country. And I still uh, feel the same as I did last week. Uh, I think... You want the best of your country to be competing there, but it's a team thing and i th- I still think that maybe we should have something like four slots, top three players from each country go, and then one maybe open slot like the wild card slot so uh, I guess what I'm saying is that my opinion hasn't changed despite some of the discussion <laughs> some of the discussion either here or on the uh, on the last episode I know we were talking uh to the comments on the last episode there were some people discussing it so. This, so, this is crazy. I'm really looking forward to, to watching this.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're going to see hopefully some, some innovation uh, for modern. Mm-hmm. Uh, Doubt it. Yeah, I, I, I think we're probably going to see a lot of the same. But Nobody uh, innovates at major events like this. Now, you, so, you saw it at the World Magic Cup. Nobody innovates now, when, but hold on. when death is on the line. But so <laughs> we have three Japanese players, uh, three very – well. I'm sorry. No, yeah, three Japanese players. Known for making some pretty wild decks, if they go outside of the Pod realm, they say, "Well, look, we know we know that people are, you know, are meta against Pod, and it's it, you know the secret's out. We may see the next coming of you know Tron, or the next coming of Unbearable Rights, or or Gifts, or something." So I'm very interested to see. Also, because it's not a team event, you know, everybody's sort of fighting for themselves we may see, like, really interesting perspectives. There like, is no
0: chance of that happening. Uh, There's
1: just okay. no I'll, way anyone's innovating. There's no I, way. We're not going to see any new decks. I guarantee that, that we will see at least one deck that's going to make us go, okay, alright, That that's a pretty this, cool animation.
0: This doesn't count, like, tiny little changes no, no, no. to already existing archetypes. <laughs> is, like, oh my man, shot, man they put this in blue-white-red uh, tempo. I, I'm talking, course. like, we, we we gotta see like we have to see a major
2: like mystical teaching showing up? Yeah,
0: like teachings <laughs> yeah, or Protean yeah. Hulk kind of thing. A
2: new archetype
0: is, is
1: a important.
2: new archetype. So Cranny, you think there will be a new archetype and Ruben you, you think no.
1: There is zero chance. Alright, nice. I'll take those odds. How <laughs> so, many what what are we
0: what do you want? How many bags of Kit Kats Ooh. are we <laughs> betting? I'll, I'll put
1: uh I'll put two two bars on the line. I'll put two bars on the line. All right. Digital handshake. <laughs> Digital handshake. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Players Championship going to be awesome. Of course, GP Boston was this past weekend. Yep. We do not do a lot of limited uh, coverage or discussion on this show outside of when we do spoiler discussions. Uh, of course, M13 Limited is a very fun format. If you haven't had a chance to play it yet, be sure to, uh, to hit up your F&M or Get on Moto, check it out. It, it is super, super fun. Very deep format. Um, probably more so than any of the M sets. So if you've liked any of the M sets, be sure to check it out. And of course, we want to shout out Cedric Phillips for doing uh, for doing well yeah. top eighting. That's that's pretty awesome. Well done. Uh, couple other couple other names. We saw this guy Robert Victory just kick kick butt all day and got all the way to the finals. Which uh, he it, it looks like Demars ended up getting vindicated because he beat. Um, Damars and the Swiss, but, uh, mm-hmm. he was like, he was on fire the whole day. And then, of course, Shota and, um, and then Damars taking the whole thing. So it, it was a cool event. Well, well covered. I, I, you love to see 1800 person GPs. Of course, it's, that's very good for the game. That's a huge GP. Um, you know, especially in Boston. I don't, I don't know like what, what the magic scene looks like there, but that's, that seems really, really large to me. So it's
0: really big. But, I mean, there were a couple things going for Boston. One is it's on the East coast and this was the second biggest GP ever. The biggest was in Washington DC in 2010. Yep. Um, and, you know, East coast GPs just get a lot of people. Another thing that they had going for them was of course, next week is the player's championship. And this week is, uh, no, oh, I'm sorry. Next week, yeah, last week was the players championship. Wait. There were two championships happening of some sorts over the over next week and last week.
2: Okay, we had the World Champ- World Cup last Where week. Where am I right now?
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, if you, Cup, you understand Boston. my
2: point, there we go.
0: And also like there's a there's a pretty big Boston Magic scene. I think Jackie Lees from there. Um I think Dave Shields, Matt Costa, Melissa Detora, I think. I mean, I mean there's a lot of good players up there. So, it's it's a pretty big scene. And, um, you know, unfortunately, it's just impossible to hold any Magic events in the city, apparently. So we have to put them in Worcester. It's, like it's but, extremely um,
2: expensive from what I yeah,
0: understand. It's just, yeah, yeah, it's ridiculously expensive. It's like why there's no GPs in New York City.
1: Um, so. so as we wrap up the uh, the topic, of course, we've, we've had quite a bit of discussion on the World Magic Cup and the Players' Championship. And I'm sure we'll have a retrospective next week as we look at the results of of that tournament and, uh, you know, we'll be checking out the, the coverage there. And of course you should too, but, uh, we wanted to try to do a, a couple episodes or maybe, maybe an episode, um, and take some, some mailbag questions or some topics that you think we should cover outside of some of the stuff that, you know, we traditionally cover magic news and, and tournament results and things, uh, cause we have had a good time sort of talking about the structure of that tournament. So if you have anything that you think would be a fun topic for the show, you know, as always, be sure to to leave a comment um, on the StarCityGames.com dot uh, com Facebook comment thread there, and let us know if there's anything that you think we should cover. So
0: yeah, uh, excellent. We and, we uh, love to hear from our audience. Please uh, give us all of the feedback possible, especially me. Because
1: especially Ruben, he, he I, I need as much feedback as I can get. <laughs> I, think, no, I need help.
2: It's, it's great. We actually had a, a pretty good discussion going on in the last episode, and uh, it's fun to fun to interact with you guys. So yeah, or even tweet at us if you have a question. But it's you know posting it in the comments so that we all definitely see it is uh, probably ideal.
1: And of course, we are all on Twitter. Very active on there. You can follow us. I'm at kstube. Ruben is at Mox Ruby. That's R E U B Y, and Joey is at Affinity for Blue. And I always mess it up every time <laughs> I want to say Affinity for Islands, and I don't. Uh, so he's not
0: a two four flyer. Get that's over right. it. <laughs> By the way, does uh, have you decided on a Twitter name for Leah yet?
1: So she's thinking. Uh, well, I should, for I those of you
0: s- that weren't keeping track, uh, Matt's wife is thinking of getting a Twitter account just to tweet quotes that she hears at cube night.
1: <laughs> and like, yeah, of course, you know, she knows, uh, some of you guys too. So she would want to, you know, basically say like maybe tweet a picture of like the room after I've gone through it and sorted cards for eight hours. Uh, right. I, I, I usually have like a stack of cards around me about an eight foot radius, which, uh, she's, she's taken a few pictures. So, but, um, The the one that I like my favorite is from our friend um, Victor and uh, he said overheard in the cube room.
2: Yeah, it's it's probably is that Hmm. gonna fit? Is it too long though? It might. That's a really
0: long name to be able to tweet back at.
2: Yeah, that too. Even if you could fit it, because I couldn't fit Affinity for Islands. So I want Mrs. Cube, but it's taken. I know someone
0: doesn't even use Twitter.
2: That is the worst, right? Because I want Joey Pasco, right? (laughs) But I. Some some guy that has never tweeted, doesn't have any followers, doesn't follow anybody, uh, and spells his last name differently than than I do. But we, you should – I'm just like, oh, yeah.
1: You should I, track that guy down. Yeah. Tell him he's ruining – force him at gunpoint to change his Twitter name. <laughs> that's
2: right.
0: I guess that's uh, – is that it, everybody? Is, yeah, I should yeah. I close it up? You got anything else to say? Any shout-outs? Anything you want to push? Nope. Nope. All right well i'm going to remind everybody one more time that I will be in Minneapolis, Minnesota in brad N- near brad nelson 's old stomping grounds. Um, actually, his brother's going to be playing this weekend, so I'll probably put him on camera um, to uh to take care of Star city games, Minneapolis. You guys can also go to the nashville there's uh, lots of i q s happening. My latest inning is up. you should go watch that um, it includes a very special thing after the credits for you folks to laugh at me about. <laughs> There's also a new Facebook album of past NewsNing graphics for you guys to relive your favorite NewsNing graphics and post them on your friend's wall and stuff like that. So, uh, very exciting stuff for me. That's it for this week. In contention.